From the farmer to the florist, from the baker to the bookkeeper, and everyone in between. Welcome to Your Country Business. Welcome to Your Country Business, the show that is all about business in the bush, where we share the stories of the hardworking business owners and community leaders that make up the communities of rural and remote Australia. I'm your host, Shane Sellers, fellow country business owner. I'm passionate about business in the bush and growing the wonderful communities that make up rural and remote Australia. This episode is proudly brought to you by our show sponsors. Our show sponsors are Roma Fire and First Aid. They provide quality sales, service, first aid training, and training of firefighting equipment in Southwest Queensland. Our other show sponsor is ClearLogic Solutions, who provide professional business solutions in work health and safety, HR, recruitment, business planning and mentoring, and in business promotion through videography and also training solutions. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the show, where we are chatting with a passionate bloke who loves living out west and is passionate about people. So much so, he's in the people business. What this guy doesn't know about leading people probably isn't worth knowing. So today, we're diving into the community leader aspect of the show. So with a surprisingly diverse background, our guest is sharing his experiences of living out west and some amazing tips of dealing with people. And that is gold when it comes to running a business. I'm extremely excited about having my good friend, senior pastor of Life Christian Church, Roma, Shane Wallace, on the show. Let's go. Pastor Shane Wallace, thanks for joining us on the show here today. Great to have you, mate. Um, welcome to the welcome to your country business. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, mate, it's a great privilege and honour to be here. Um, I've listened to a few of the podcasts and look, they're really informative, mate. So there's, it's great to catch up with some of the characters you might have known around the place and um, hear a bit of their story. So I'm intrigued to see where this one might go. No, that's it, mate. I'm looking forward to it. We'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll dig into a, a few things, your background and some of the life experiences you've definitely had um, living out in the bush. But I guess, Shane, to, to start off, what we do is we, we dig into the origin story. So take us back to the start, mate. Where where did you sort of originate from and, and where did um, you pick up all your values and that, that, that have led you to being a senior pastor? Yeah, mate. Well, I keep it a bit on the down low, but I was actually born in South Australia. So hopefully your listeners won't spread that too far. So I'm not a, not a Queenslander by birth. But before I started school, we headed to the real state of Australia, Queensland. And I'll tell you what, the last 12 months has been the best state in the country to be as well. So yeah, so I moved to Queensland to a property and uh, it's a property that was out near Hannaford there. Some of your listeners might know Hannaford, the gums, uh, that area. Uh, it was a property that dad sort of carved out of the bush. There was sort of one fence and it was mostly scrub. So, you know, as a little fella, um, watched um, as my dad sort of, I suppose, as I said, carved this property out of the bush. It was a wheat, sheep property. Um, and yeah, so I did all my primary schooling there and just, it was just typical um, country boy stuff. You know, it's the best case place, I reckon, for a boy to grow up, you know, uh, motorbikes and, you know, guns and all that sort of stuff and just, you know, there was a good-sized school there, so, you know, there was enough fellas to play a bit of sport with as well. Got into a bit of that in primary school then. Um, so that we didn't have to spend a long time on the bus every day, we got sent away to Toowoomba to boarding school. So did another five years down there. Um, glorious weather that you get to uh, have in, um, 
in Toowoomba. Yep. And I suppose, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I really got into the, um, played a lot of basketball when I was in Toowoomba and just found a bit of a niche there. And then came back to the farm. There was a few drought years, so I spent a bit of time, spent the year after high school, did a gap year at the farm, you know, feeding cattle basically. And then um, I wanted a career in agriculture and so went off to Gatton Ag College, uh, got a degree in rural management there, which was kind of a, a half science, half management, I suppose, degree there also uh, picked up a, a diploma in export management so i thought that's where my life was headed you know um mm. sort of ag consultancy is sort of how i'd peg myself but why while i was at university i got involved in the christian groups on campus and just got a real passion for you know i suppose helping people in that sort of uh, sphere of life helping people's i suppose their, their spirit life come alive and got a real passion for that anyway long story short ended up in roma um, when I finished uni and I was, um, I suppose the guy running the church that I right now run, uh, Pastor Colin Muller, uh, gave us a call and said, hey, Shane, come out here. They're looking for someone to just sort of, <clears throat> I suppose, be a bit of a presence in the school at lunch times, And that's where we first met mm -hmm. um, back when you were a student. Yep. Um, so he came out. A few years back now. A few years back now. We won't say how many, but yeah, it was <laughs> a while ago. Let's just say that. And um, yeah, so we, we actually created the first scripture union chaplaincy position in Roma at that time. And look, it was a blast. It was, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed that period of my life. It was like getting paid to do stuff you just loved. And, and I think that's that's success in life, isn't it? Yeah. Was there any hesitations? What was sort of going through your mind, I guess, when you get that phone call of, hey, yeah, let's let's move out to Roma? Obviously, you had some you know, growing up out, out on the property, but was there anything of, well, you know, doing the research or background or passionate about like, yeah, we can, I can do this. Let's make it happen. It's a great question, Shane, but I was too dumb and stupid to even think, <laughs> think about that. It was just like the next opportunity in life. And look, the, the reality, the true story is um, of that. I actually had planned to have a gap year after my uni. And, and again, if your listeners will keep this a bit, bit quiet, but I, um, my, my game plan was to basically move to the Sunshine Coast, work at BP and play in my cousin's rock band. So that was life goals. <laughs> that was my life goal. And, uh, but, you know, so that was kind of, and I actually got accepted to work at the, um, I um, put in some resumes around and I, I could have been working at the Big Pineapple actually. Instead, I was working at uh, Southern Queensland Institute of TAFE yep. in Roma. So they were my two, two offers, but um, no, no, it was something I really prayed into actually and I just really felt that it was the right thing to do to come to Roma and there was a mate of mine that I'd met at uni who sort of gave me a bit of part-time work to kick me off as well. So um, yeah, it's funny, I think the younger you are, the less you, uh, well depending on your personality of course, but sometimes you just take on challenges and, and, and in fact moving on from chaplaincy, that was kind of the thing. I'd done that's you know, I'd been working in the school there for over seven years and I rang my line manager and I said, mate, I think I'm done. And he just, he wanted to make it easier for me. He's like, no, no, shame, we'll change this, we'll change that. And I was like, no, 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 mate, I think I'm ready for the next, you know, the next phase and the next challenge of my life. So I'll probably put a lot more thought into that career move than coming out to Roma on a whim yeah. um, to volunteer to, you know, just journey with kids at school. Yeah. So you just jump straight into it when you're younger compared to <laughs> yeah. compared to decisions that you'd probably make now. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, let's go, let's see what happens. And, you know, as you get older, I think you've got more responsibilities and, and you're probably um, just a bit more life aware as yeah. well. But yeah, back, but it all worked out for the best. Like I'm glad it was the best decision I made was moving to Roma at that time. And um, maybe later in the podcast, we'll talk about you know, raising a family in the bush, mm. but yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So it was the right decision, 
But uh, yeah. So how many, how many years do you reckon you're sort of chaplain um, out here then? Well, in that chaplaincy role, about seven years. Yeah, right. So I was I, I, five years as an SU chaplain or over, I um, might have been into my sixth year, but I was working out here in that type of role while we're kicking the position off and creating the position. So What's, what's some life takeaways from seven years of chaplaincy? Well, that you yeah, can share on a podcast. Yeah, that I can share on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, that's um, that's a really good question. Um, I think you know, I'll say it this way: walking into school yesterday, just with my one of my sons, and just seeing the little kids in there. This was at the primary school there, and just seeing them as they leave the school, and you know, some of them are smiling, and some sort of head down, and and I just had this thought yesterday: how important those years formative years mm. are just literally that's yesterday for me and i suppose so some of the takeaways i know that was your question but just i suppose like helping our young people do that journey well um, whether that's as parents caregivers um, just mates uncles aunts whatever um, it is a tough little period for our young people and trying you know whatever we can do as a community to mm. help them and I think chaplaincy was a massive part of that um, it was a great resource in the school still is today I mean back then it, we started with a two day a week position now there's uh, I think three chaplains operating in Roma and so you know it is, it's progressed a long way from there but yeah I just think as a community it's something that we really got to throw a lot of energy at and having good strong young people in the bush is important as anywhere else and you know if we can give these guys a good start it's 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 empowers our whole community so I don't know if that's answering your no, question. No 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 it is because um yeah we'll we'll, we'll definitely um I, I guess jump from that one because going from chaplaincy to um, being the senior pastor of a church, and, and I guess probably should have started with this, but um, how it all sort of relates to business is that you're in the business of of people, and that people management is is absolutely critical to to successfully managing managing a business. So we'll we'll probably park that part for the for the gold um, a little bit later yeah. on. But so getting back to the chaplaincy, then, so what sort of what what was the transition then? You sort of talked yeah. about talking to your line manager. Yeah, what? so yeah, no, that's right. And so I didn't really know what was what was next for me, but I knew that what I was doing in church well was really important to me. At the time, I was I was I was a pretty busy young man actually, and and then I'd sort of got married, and so you just can't run that hard, you know, um, as I probably was as a young person forever. You'll eventually you'll fall apart. So. I was sort of running the youth group at the time and for the church. I was also doing a lot of other stuff, as you might remember, you mm. know, with the worship team and sort of some preaching. I was on the board and pretty much had my finger in every little pot. So um, towards the end of my chaplaincy, I studied teaching so that I could uh, do supply teaching yep. and use that as a as an income to supplement what I was doing for the church. So that was kind of the long-term plan when I when I finished chaplaincy. I didn't really have any any real massive desire or goal to run a church it was not something at that time that was you know front row center for me i just wanted to empower again what was happening in the community and mm. what we what we as a church were doing for our community and i wanted to create as much space as i could in my world to be able to do that and do that well um so yeah so i was a supply teacher then for i don't know a couple of years maybe three or four years i can't really remember i really enjoyed that it was a great period of my life um and yeah, just the freedom of that, and and a little shout out. I'll throw this out. A mm. little shout out to uh, Paul at, at Rex Furnishings. I worked him when I for him when I first came to town, and when I was doing supply teaching, I wasn't working every day. Yeah, because um, you sort of get called in, and so Paul just let me come in and work for him during that time. So um, yeah, big shout out to you, Paul. You kept me going, kept my family in food and 
uh, beverages for that little period of my life. So that was gold. So I had work every day. Had that flexibility to keep doing what you wanted to do as well. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I had work. I was able to do the supply teaching. I was able to work for Paul on my, on my days I wasn't at school. And so I was full-time employed and, yeah, I was able to do the other stuff that I felt was a real calling on my life and something I was really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to get to, to, to answer your question then um, – our senior pastor knew that his time, probably a bit like me in chaplaincy, he knew his time um, was coming to a close and actually approached me and said, Shane, what would you think about, you know, taking on the church? In the meantime, I'd, I'd got my, well, in our movement, it's called a provisional minister certificate. It's like your trainer wheels uh, to be a pastor, I suppose. Yep. A bit like your peas as a car, really. <laughs> um, so I had that already uh, from a lot of the work I was already doing and some studies that I'd done. And so it was just, it wasn't a big transition, I suppose, for my ordination, that's called in my sector of the community, yep. um, to move that to an um, ordained minister's certificate. So anyway, long story short, I, um, I, the board sort of selected me in with that selection process to um, be the next senior pastor of the church. And then as far as life goals and stuff, my first message that I spoke at church was called the accidental pastor. And it was, <laughs> I tell people that it was about just a journey of doing the next thing yeah. that you feel called to do or the next thing that's important to you. Um, and if you keep doing that, um, it'll land in, in, in the right place. Um, yep. And it did for me anyway. So yeah, out here and not working at the big pineapple as a, as a, in a rock band. <laughs> Yeah, look, that band crash and burn. So, <laughs> Lee, if you're listening, I apologise. Uh, one one path you could have went down. So, I guess, mate, from from that going into being the senior pastor and and obviously dealing with with everything that comes with that, and it was one of the reasons you know to, to get you on the podcast yeah. and talk about it is because yeah, you, know, you know, my time um, dealing with uh, small businesses out in rural, remote um, Queensland is the people component is huge because we just don't have a big pool of people to choose from. So you sort of end up having to do a lot more people management and coaching and that and and dealing with with those things because the, you just don't have the luxury of having a huge candidate pool to pick from. And and I guess um, talking about those struggles with people and, and how you manage people and that sort of thing as well. So going into that, um, what are what's some of the takeaways or I guess the challenges that you've sort of hit running the church with people yeah yeah that and that's a really good question um so church, just people may or may not realize running a, a church organization is very similar to running any other organization of similar size um, we are just as dependent on our human resource and our finances as, as the next um the next person and also there's also government regulations and all that sort of stuff so um yeah, it's very similar. Like mm. the challenges that I've faced would be very similar to to any small business in town. Um, and we're a volunteer organisation. So so I suppose, but but I think this works just as well in the private sector, is, is motivating your volunteers is a massive deal. Mm. And so getting, so helping, I suppose, so not staff for us, but volunteers, helping our volunteers, our people, the people in my world, the people that help um, the vision of our church become a reality. And I suppose that's the key word is vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think certainly helping people understand that they're part of the win is a massive deal in in motivating people to um, to I suppose realise what 
what what they're doing you know um there's an old saying shane you know there was this guy walked past these guys who were doing something and in the and he asked the first guy what are you doing and he's laying bricks and the next guy he says what are you doing he's he's, he's building a wall and then the next guy he says what are you up to he says well i'm building a cathedral mm-hmm. and i think whether it's a church scenario or a small business i think that's really key um in in keeping your people motivated and on and on on, on team because we call it team at church it's really a team you know um, so everybody doing their bit is what is what brings you know corporate success, and again that's the same I think in any organisation. But with specific challenges to Roma is the transient nature of of our population is massive, and so we see that in church world as anyone else. And you mentioned you know um, finding people with specific skill sets. As we've grown as a church, that's become less and has become less of a deal, I suppose. We, we we've been able to specialise a little bit mm. more. We've got um, people with specialist skills, and, and we might talk about it at the back end. I'm not sure, but your skill set that you were able to help us with, um, you know, getting with the tech, getting online and stuff was massive. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, a few years before, we wouldn't have had that. Um, but so for the transient nature, do you want me to speak to that now? Yeah, well, I think so. Like, and probably the question around that then would be how and fully aware that there might not be ever an answer to this, but how do you prepare or at least, uh, I guess, minimise the blow that that sort of does bring? Because it is difficult when you you, you train people up or they're, they're doing a certain role that bring value to, um, to uh, you know, the organisation or to the business, and then next minute you get the phone call of, I've got to go in a month, and then yeah. it's the scramble. It happens all the time. I see it happen to my mates, you know, in their businesses, certainly in, in our world, it's it's been massive over the journey. And look, I think there's two things I'd like to say about that. One is own the space you're in. Mm. It's no good just whinging about it um, because we have also have opportunities out here in Roma that we don't have. And so I talk to my pastor mates, I suppose, in the big city and they think they're transient, but they got no idea what it's like <laughs> out here and I just smile and nod. But but I have they have challenges I don't have. So I think that's the first thing. Own your space know, and know, know what it's like. So we know. Um, so you can either whinge about it or accept it and use it as a platform. So what... What we've done specifically as a church to try and minimise the impact of that is to, we've done two things. And one is we get the people that are moving on and have been part of our journey to speak to add the people that remain, I suppose, as how their journey with us has empowered them and impacted them. So we celebrate them leaving rather than cry about it. Mm. And the other, But the other thing we do, which is, is a big picture for the success of the organisation, is we have a constant culture of training. So I would say to someone, you know, if you have a role, part of that role is to, is to train someone else in everything you know. Um, look, mate, that's an ongoing thing, getting yeah. encouraging people to, to put that into practice. But I think at a bottom line, if your culture is that everybody's take, well, we have a saying, you know, everybody's following someone and everyone's taking someone with them. And so I think, you know, again, any organisation could benefit that because you don't want one person to leave who knows, is the only person who knows that, you know. I think that's probably important touching on what you're saying before too. Like you mentioned the word culture, but looking at um, explaining that vision to people as well. Um, You know, if you, you, yeah, you might just be laying the brick, but if you understand that it's part of, you know, building the cathedral and you put that into a a training culture and organisation, not a training, yeah, training culture, I guess, um, so that everyone is training that next person up because it's not just about laying the brick. It's it's bigger than that. 
Yeah, and it'll be there after you're gone. Mm. And so having having that sort of culture in people as well, this will go on, you know, whether you're running, you know, a plumbing business or a mechanic business or whatever it may be, a, a corner store. Yep. You know, this organisation will be here after you've left. What legacy are you leaving? Mm. Um, and, yeah, so so on, but but in answer to the, to the transient nature thing, definitely an ongoing culture of training is something that we continue. And you've got to... As a leader, so we talk as a leader now. You got to, it's it's our job as leaders, whether we're leading a business or leading a church or leading an organisation, we set the culture. So uh, a guy said to me once, "We're talking about culture," and a guy said, "Shane, culture leaks." And what he meant by that was, it's the leader's job to continually sew that in. Like we can't just be complacent once we've said it once. Oh, we have a training culture here. Like that doesn't fly anywhere. Yeah. Um, so as leaders, it's our job to continually sow the culture that we want to reap. I suppose. And again, I think that's the same everywhere. Yeah. And I know talking talking off air, um, off air or off from that podcast, I guess. Um, one of the things that that I know we were talking about from the point of view of. Um, challenges in that and, and it and resonates with with small business owners when you become I guess the master of your own destiny the master of your own time and uh, we were sort of mentioning about time management yeah so what's uh, what, what challenges have you hit there and sort of how to overcome that yeah massive mate massive I, I say pastoring's like farming I've got a farming background so I see see similarities and and on a farm uh, you'll never get all your work done. Um, not in a not in a, not in an hour, not in a day, not in a year, not in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so owning that and then and prioritizing. So for us as a church, um, also that meant shame. Well, what's what is it that we do? What is it that we bring to Roma that maybe nobody else is? Because um, there's a lot of there's a number of churches in Roma, as you might be aware. But um, we all have the same message, but we we um, we can approach it in different ways. And so first of all, I think in entity question, you've got to know what you do and what you're called to do and what your business organization does. And then use that as a starting point to prioritize your time because you'll never get everything done. Mm. So, but we do have a saying. We have lots of little sayings at at our church, and one is "What you prioritize gets done." Yeah, um, and we say that all the time. Um, what you so so it's kind of a no excuse culture as well. Like, don't tell me you didn't have time. Tell me you didn't prioritize it. And so that's the same as me as a leader. So I've got to model that. I've got to model um, that to my congregation. I've got to model um, good time management, good work life balance. Um, to my congregation as well, um, but it comes back to priorities. Definitely, if you don't, if you don't know what you're there to do, mm. you're going to be doing anything. And so, um, I actually remember walking out of someone's office one day, and there was a little sign on the wall that said, "Do your real work first. Yep. and that really resonated with me because there's so much that I can do in a week that's that is work, but it's not necessarily what's going to take our organisation forward. And it's not maybe not what I have to do now. I'm I'm one of these guys who's always under the pump and and uh, sort of fin- last minute finishing stuff because I probably didn't do my real work first, <laughs> Shane. So, and yeah, th- there's probably trade offs between. I, I think I'm thinking about three things. Like you mentioned uh, before, like the farming example that that work that there's never enough hours in the day. You've got to own that, yeah. Um, and then prioritizing things, but then also that that work life balance because the, you know if you're to sort of draw that as a triangle, almost that you know you, you're sort of always balancing that up in the air. But um, yeah, do you, do you want me to speak in a work life balance I, now? I, I think so, yeah, because it is, yeah, it, it does affect a lot. Yeah, look, it took me a long time. Like I was one of these morons that runs really hard until I hit a brick wall and. Um, probably didn't set a good example for people in my younger days about what's a sane work ethic. Um, and it's come back to bite me a little bit, Shane. But what I've learned in the meantime is that 
um, our health as people, like getting enough sleep. I mean, there's more research and stuff going into all this all the time. Mm. You know, just getting enough sleep, getting – look, I'll say it this way. If I'm not at my best, I'm not at my most productive. So in my head, then I'm a bit of a – you know, we're all different, but I actually had to almost get the headspace where recreation and relaxation was diarised in, and that it helped me achieve my goals. I had to make that mental shift where it wasn't time off for my goals, mm. but actually taking time out was achieving my goals. And once I was able to get that cog to turn in my brain, a lot of stuff turned around for me. And I don't think I'm Robinson Crusoe there um, as far as particularly probably <laughs> small people who will be listening to this co- well, podcast. Just think of that when you talk about turning the cog, like is, is was it um, probably overcoming that feeling and this is probably speaking for myself of you feel guilty basically yeah, 100%. You're, you're cheating yourself um you, you've got like the work is never done you need to go and get something else done what are you doing taking this time out to go and you know to take that time out for yourself basically to recharge you've nailed me yeah, yeah 100 yeah. yeah guilt yeah had to get past the guilt of i'm not working now um and i'm awake yeah so and yeah, so I think yeah, you've nailed it. And but but what I've come to realise and understand as I got a bit older, like I asked that question about when I was younger, and mm. you know, and I said, man, I didn't even think about it. You know, that's just what we used how we used to roll. But um, I think as you get older, you become more aware of of that. And yeah, my productivity is definitely higher when I'm you know in a good space emotionally and physically. There's no doubt about that. So I'm actually achieving more um, by by taking the you know, recharging by recharging for yeah. sure and. Yeah, and it's I think something we've all got to learn at some point. Mm. It's I think it's a hard lesson to, like you said, you've got to turn that cog. I think yourself and and come to that realization. Um, you do. So just moving on to to the next part of the um, of the show here, which is looking at the um, the innovation and overcoming some sort of things. So I know um, talking before the show, were, uh, I think at the time you mentioned when you took over the church and talking about that direction and that vision. Um, you're able to share some stuff on on how you sort of overcome to pull that together. Yeah, so being a bit more in, innovative, um, I suppose part of that is finding where you differentiate from from I suppose the other people who are offering you know a similar product because you want um, you want everyone's needs to be met. You know, and I've, so I suppose that's that's something. And so yeah, I've already mentioned that. Just making sure we know what we do and and do it well. I think as far as innovating, um, it's probably not a lot of stories to really to share. Just um, like what I mentioned before about the um, the transitional nature of people, and mm. so that was an innovation, I suppose you could say, introducing that training culture, introducing a culture of celebrating when people were um, moving on, celebrating their part in our story um, was, I suppose, an innovation to, to try and get a negative and turn it into a positive. Yep. Um, sort of obviously other stuff. I mean, last year, I can speak about last year, that was a year of innovation for everybody. Yeah. Um, and part of that for us was getting a, a gather, culture is gathering, like that's that's church, it's community. Like what is church? What is the most powerful thing about a church environment? What's a community? It's journeying with people. It's it's um, you know catching up with people, with mates, and 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 enjoying a journey together. It's it's the same reason people play footy. You mm. know, it's exactly the same thing. And so when that is removed, 
Um, how then do you kick so, the same so goal? Pro- probably bad in context of that from COVID restrictions. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, depending, <laughs> this could be, yeah. So timestamp this, we're talking yeah. about it in um, what, March 2021 and yeah. COVID hit in 2020. And so we were um, we were restricted from gathering, mm. um, you know, everything shut down. So very quickly we had to pivot online as a lot of people did and uh your organization shane came to our rescue actually with 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 <laughs> advice with we had gear. a few late nights <laughs> we had a lot of late nights some of them didn't have to be as late um, we're doing what we're doing now and just having a bit of a chin wag about life and yeah. the journey and moving forward with stuff and i think um i enjoyed that i actually enjoyed we'd come in and and uh, you would help us with getting our content online which i think was really powerful and look to be honest it blew us away um, how well that content was received and how mm. widely it was viewed. Like we had people, to be honest, all over the world um, dropping in on on that content. And then, of course, when when countries started opening back up, people went back to their own churches. But um, we, we certainly had people journeying with us in a little period of time there. We're from not just all over the country, but from all over the world, which was kind of different. We we didn't expect that. We didn't mm. anticipate that. Um, and again, it was, and now they've transitioned the transient nature of Roma, mate, yeah. they've transitioned back to where their local church, but we were able to be part of their story for a little while. And, and yeah, the, the help that you gave us, but, but, but with that too, that transitioning, I think being able to pivot quickly. So like, as you would well know, there was a lot of time and we weren't on our own here. A lot of organizations did the same thing as us, but a lot of time spent on YouTube, just working out how do we do this new thing? Well, <laughs> um, talking to, I rang a lot of my mates, yeah. I, I, um, that was a challenging period, as you might know. So, so I actually, funnily enough, I had seven meetings planned for five days, the most I'd planned in my history as a pastor over ten years that week, mm. and they all got they all got cancelled. So um, that was pretty tough. But then within two weeks, we had our online up and running, and so we just gave ourselves. I think this was important too. We gave ourselves a one week window. Yeah. Um, just you, you need that grace period to sort of just breathe. Didn't feel we just had to throw anything up online. We wanted to yeah. throw something up that was um, that was valuable content that we would want to consume ourselves. And and it probably it, it you know even like you know closing a shop front sort of thing. It's almost similar to that. But to like you mentioned, it it is in the business of getting people together, which is the exact op- opposite you want to do in a pandemic. Um, and, and it probably changes, I guess, how you deliver your value a, a bit as well. And um, having that huge impact and, and being able to pivot a little bit. But yeah, I guess what I'm sort of saying is um, definitely changing how you did that is different to, you can't just sort of take your normal model of how you do a Sunday or do what you do and then go, but we'll just shift it online because that whole model had to be turned upside down. A lot of people did that and tried that and had um, some success doing that. But we, again, we tried to produce content that we would want to consume. Mm. And so we didn't try and pretend that everything was the same. And I think that helped with what we were doing be successful. And like you were talking, you know, all of a sudden, instead of talking to a group of people, I was talking to a camera and it's, it's different. You wouldn't, you wouldn't realize how different it is. And so just, again, learning new skills. So yeah. that part of it was refreshing, actually, was the learning new skills. And YouTube's definitely your friend. Yeah, YouTube was a friend <laughs> and just other mates who had done it and before, stuff like that before. And just there's a lot of communication just around. You know, this, is a, this is another thing. I didn't learn much at uni, Shane, but one thing I learned was somebody out there knows everything. Yeah. And so just getting into connection with not pretending that we knew what we were doing, but connecting with people who did, uh, I think was really positive. And, and again, going, all right, our model has to change. And so I think which, and the other thing I think with that too, is, um, is being prepared to have a go and also being prepared to say something 
didn't work. So we tried a few things as well in the in that period um, that were working for others, mm. and then we gave them a crack, and they didn't work so well for us. And then I suppose having the guts to say no, we got that wrong, knocking that on the head quite quickly. I yep. think that's also really important moving forward and 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 dealing with challenges as well. So there was a few things that we tried that we cancelled, and, and I think um, that's that's important to realise too. Just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean that it's the the right thing for your culture and, and what you're trying to do. Yeah, mm. 100%. And it, to be honest, one of the things that we try, I'll mention it, was um, after the service, uh, I was like Facebook rooms or something yep. where you'd go into these, you know, these rooms. It was sort of like a Zoom meeting and there were lots of them. And and because people were locked in their homes, I thought that was really going to fly. Like I'm still surprised it didn't work as well as I thought. But, yeah. but I tell you what probably was the case is leading up to pre-COVID, we put a lot of energy into having people connect and creating a sense of community with small groups and all that sort of thing. And so the bottom line is our church was well-serviced and they didn't mm. need it mm. um, as much as we thought it would be really positive. The, the feedback was we don't need that. We're actually – our needs are being met already by you guys in other ways. So I suppose that was the positive to come out of it. Yeah, yeah. So, mate, moving on to the um, the, the final parts here of the, the show – and one thing that we, we definitely want to do is get some uh, pieces of gold advice. So we did do some planning before the show about that. And you've got two pieces there, mate. So what's what's some of your advice that you'd take away like that other small business owners or people looking at even going down that journey could walk away with? Yeah, well, I thought about this a little bit. I know we sort of talked about leading people a bit. Um, and that is certainly a massive part of your job as a pastor um, and all the intricacies with that. But I... I I'd want, I did approach this question more as if I, because I'm as a someone who runs an organisation and thinking of your small business owners out there, and um, if you're thinking of starting a small business or you're thinking of getting into some form of small business, because um, I've, I've seen a lot of times people approaching these things, but their life goals and the business that they want to create aren't, aren't in alignment. Yep. And so I thought the first piece of advice is um, that I'd be giving uh, people out there who are starting something big is make sure that this, this is going to kick the goals that you want it to kick. Because mm. um, as an example, um, depending on the small business, like if you've got a young family or whatever, and you think, you know, this is going to give me heaps of time with my family, it may or may not be the case. Um, so yeah, that was my first bit of advice. Just do your homework. You know, like mm. I talked about when we got online, it was, it was effectively, we were running a completely different organization for three months. And, um, I think the guy makes, sure, yeah, that's, I think I've answered that change. Just make sure you like Reese, do your research, do your homework, talk to other people in the industry. Um, because too many times I think that they don't align. Yeah. And I think it's just a good idea. Probably having that honest conversation in, in your own mind as well of going, you know, and 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 sort of not try. It's difficult to do it, but not looking at it with rose-coloured glasses and going, yeah. If you're going to start a business to add more time with your family, well, pro- probably not not the best thing to be doing because it's not going to give you more time in in the especially in the startup phase. In the startup phase, definitely. And again, industry that's industry specific, I mm. assume, and you know what your resources are at your disposal. But yeah, being really honest with yourself. Um, cause there might be something you've always dreamt of or always wanted to do, but the timing might be off. Yeah. So it might be wrong, right thing, wrong time. Yep. As I talked about, you know, when I first came to Rome, there's no way I can do what I used to do back then mm. uh, for lots of reasons, but then it was right. And now it wouldn't be. Yeah. So yeah, I think that would be my first piece of advice. Um, and 
I know yep. your second one, mate, was around the um, the, the work-life balance. It was. Yeah, and I, I held off this earlier in the podcast because mm. I, I was hoping you were going to ask me that. Um, and we did touch on it with our own emotional energy and recharging the batteries. But I I would, you know, and again, this is stuff in my role that I spend a lot of time, may not realise, but researching a lot of different things that affect community. And we, I spent a lot of time in that sphere. Mm. And so work-life or home life, I'm going to call it home-life balance, um, is really, really important. Um, and so my second piece of advice would be that that the family should never come second to the organization. Mm. Um, and look, you know, a lot of pastors, to be honest with you, get that wrong at times, um, self-included. Um, it needs to be an ongoing conversation. But if, you know, for my, um, you know, my life goals, for, for my own personal self-worth, um, and for me to enjoy life as I want to, I need to make sure that I'm empowering the home journey because the reality is, and you can do, look at all the studies you want, mm. but the reality is if you if you want to look at the statistics, um, those people that are happier at the back end are those people who've invested in their home life because mm. um, eventually it'll catch up with you. Oh, the, impa- it, the impact's huge. It catches up with everyone mm. eventually. Everyone thinks they're going to avoid it and they think you know their home life is indestructible or whatever, but I tell you what, mate, it's not the case. And so that would be my second piece of advice is to make sure that your home world becomes first before the organisation. If it does, your organisation will be successful. If it doesn't, we're not sure. Well, I guess the other thing too behind that is that's where your support's going to come from. Like when everything else goes pear shape or belly up, um, you know, you're probably not going to be looking to the people in your organisation for that personal support. You're going to be looking for it for your family. And if that's not there it's just going to make it more difficult. Yeah, look, and I've talked with so many guys, probably in other people's organisations, but not running it. And, you know, the organisation is just is just drawing so much out of them. And I, I've sort of had to tell people, I said, you know, that when, when you move on, they're just going to replace you. Mm. <laughs> you know, yep. um, um, you know, we want to be sowing and investing. And, you know, I also talk to people about the other side. I say, well, if you want to, you know, get a promotion at work or you want to be, you know, the person that doesn't get sacked or whatever, you just got to be, you got to make yourself indispensable to your organisation. That's mm. just obvious. But at the same time, if the organisation is taking more than it's giving, um, and impacting that area, you're going to be the loser. Yeah, you got to be aware of, of that cost. Just got to be aware of it mm. and. And yeah, look, if you can, yeah, and as you said, Shane, so correctly, um, you know, if 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 you if you if you get sacked or you know if your work life blows up, your family is going to be your your security. But it doesn't work the other way. No. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Um, you'd probably be the um, what would you say the the exception to the rule there if it, if it did. And and people will be supportive for so long and, mm. and, and everything and we get that and we have mates at work and all that. But the reality is you're going to be the one picking up the pieces. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, so just success in – just to remind your listeners that your success in life will be um, – will also be connected to what's happening at home. Uh, that's, um, that's, that's awesome, mate. Look, that's great advice. So um, maintaining that home-life balance – and yep. also looking at making sure if you are going to go down the journey that it does match your um, your life goals, which you know that those two really do go hand in hand as well. Absolutely, so, mate. That's um that's absolutely gold, Shane. So, mate, moving on to a little um fun bit of the show, and then we'll move into our pitch where people can find out more about you. But yeah, uh, if you want to chuck on your headphones, mate, we're going we to do. um have a little bit of a challenge here, a, a little one minute challenge of random questions to 
dive into the psyche that is uh, Shane Wallace. So watch out. Um, if you say anything that you don't want to say, I can edit it. So first thing that pops into your head, That's we're going to have a crack at a um, at a minute. I think uh, Rick Grinsell managed to get 10 questions through. So oh, it's wow. um, practice the thinking on your feet, mate. So let's, um, let's fire away. What type of milk do you put in your cereal? Uh, full cream. Yep. Favorite hot box food, mate. Healthy stuff. Pie. Yeah, okay. What is your spirit animal? Uh, no idea. Oh, okay. Which one would you rather wash the dishes, mow the lawn, clean the bathroom, or vacuum the house? Lawn. Do you love or hate roller coasters? I have a love-hate relationship with roller coasters. <laughs> uh, texting or talking? Texting. Okay. Always early or always late? Unfortunately, it's late, mate. Okay. Say something in a different language. Konnichiwa. Put you on the spot. How many pillows do you sleep with? Two. Scale of one to ten, how good of a driver are you? Average. So we'll, oh, we'll, sorry, five. We'll say five then. <laughs> Let's go six. Six. <laughs> best place you have ever travelled or holidayed you ever had? Oh, best place to travel, Philippines. Yeah, yep. If one animal was made the size of an elephant, which would be the scariest? I think I just ran out of time. What, what would it be though? <laughs> oh, that's a, that was the hardest one, <laughs> uh, to be honest. I didn't have an answer for you. Um, let's call it an ant. Oh, I'd agree with that one. No idea. I think um, you, you had to bail on the spirit animal one, but I think you beat Rick, so I think you're up to, um, we'll say we'll say 11, mate. You beat him by one. Well, I should have checked the rules because uh, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you could say pass or not, So, uh, but I had no idea. No, it's it's good. It's just a bit of fun to, um, yeah, yeah, to, cool. to dive into it. So we'll see that's if... Cool. Um, See how good people are thinking on their feet. And Mate, good to get interview. out the road. I was nervous about that for the entire interview. So, <laughs> Oh, good. Noah. thanks, mate. And um, the, the pitch, so where can people find out more about uh, more about you and your, your organisation? Yeah, so pretty easy, mate. Uh, Life Christian Church, Roma. We're on Facebook. Uh, that's probably the best spot to find. We're actually just rebuilding our, our website at the moment. So yep. in the next probably month, six weeks, we're hoping to have a brand new website up. Um, but yeah, that's probably the easiest place to find us. Just Google us. Um, we're there. I tell people if, if I'm out of town, just ring Ro anyone in Roma and ask for Pastor Shane. <laughs> They'll know someone who'll know. <laughs> so um, if, if it worst comes to worst, just ring anybody you know in Roma and ask for Pastor Shane. Yep. Two degrees of separation, they'll find me. So Facebook or any random person living in Roma? Pretty much. Okay. Well, that's a good way to hunt you down and find out more <laughs> info. Right. Yeah. No, that's cool, mate. Well, look, thanks very much uh, for coming on the show. Absolute awesome advice um, and dealing with you know the, the issues that, are, that we do face out here running um, businesses and organisations as well. Uh, I, I see them as you know going hand in hand because we are dealing with those same issues. So, mate, yeah, absolutely awesome having you on. Thanks very much. Appreciate it, eh? Yeah, well, thanks, Shane. It was a privilege. And again, thanks to uh, your country business podcast for all the help that you gave us in, in the pandemic and when we went online and we're still using some of those templates and things now. So it was great to be able to come on here, mate, and say thanks. I appreciate it. Oh, all good, buddy. Cheers, eh? Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, pop over to Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. You can find us at Your Country Business and follow us so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, enjoy living and loving life in the country.